Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. You know, I am doing my best to get through this as quickly as possible. I know we said that, you know, we want to deal with this topically, but I don't want to keep you forever either, okay? <laughs> keep you here forever. So, um, <laughs> sorry, why? Nowhere else to be, okay. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Let me begin reading in uh, verse 4. Today we're going to be looking at verse 6. The Apostle John writes, beginning in verse 4 again, he says, whoever commits sin transgresses also the law or literally commits lawlessness. Now, it was really important that we brought out that, that particular word because remember again, this is not you just making a mistake. This is not about you doing something wrong. This is about you believing wrong. That's what the difference here is. And in fact, this lawlessness is attributed to the man of lawlessness that comes against Jesus Christ and his work in this earth. In fact, God himself and his work in this earth. Amen? And so we begin to understand that this passage of Scripture isn't just talking about... And this is what really makes me sad. You know, a lot of people read this and think, oh, this is just about being bad. And this is how God treats you when you're bad. You know? And it's not about that. This isn't about your behavior. This is about something a lot worse. This is about something that comes to take away your faith, comes to take you away from the Lord, and that's why the Apostle John says, this is dangerous. Are you all with me? That's why he is so strong through these verses. But, you know, and, and that's, that's why you know, it's so important to understand that he is the Apostle of love. And if he says something this way, there is something going on here. We really need to pay attention. And you know, not everything is about us. You know, and I think that's what the problem is. We read stuff and we think, oh, he's talking about us. He's not talking about you. Well, kind of, but not really. He's, okay, he, he's trying to let you know there are some very bad people out there. You know, he may be the apostle of love, but he's not stupid. Amen. He knows there are people out there that can do damage to you that can almost be, you know, uh, that cannot be reconciled, that, that cannot be corrected. And some people that have gone off track in this way, there are very few that come back. Let me just say that. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's a track that is, that is bathed in deception. It is a track that says, well, you know all that stuff. You tried that stuff. It didn't work. Here's why. Because there isn't a God. And none of that stuff's real. And you know what I'm trying to say? And you know, those are the most dangerous people out there. Because you're standing there and you're coming against the storm and you're coming against the devil and somebody gets up and says that and it just cuts you right at the knees. Don't listen. That's what the Apostle John is saying. Stay away from them. Are you all with me? Amen? And so this is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, if somebody commits sin in this way, all right, and remember again, the law wasn't the Mosaic law. It wasn't the law that says this is the right thing to do and that's the wrong thing to do. If you do this thing, that's the wrong thing. you got to confess your sin. It's not that. Remember again. Amen? That's why he says, for this, for sin is the transgression of the law. And I added one little word in there to say, this sin, this particular sin of driving people away from God and, and you know, eroding your faith, that is literally a transgression of God's holy law. This is a universal law. This isn't just a law that we are to live by. This is a universal law. This is... Let me share this with you. This is the law that the devil broke before we came along. 
You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> okay. So when I talk about universal law, I'm talking about the law that existed before we, we ever came on the scene. This is when the devil said, I'm going to be like the most high and exalt my throne, all that sort of stuff. And God throws him into hell, creates hell and puts him in there. In fact, he created hell out of, you know, what Satan was. Isn't it interesting? The same fire that was in him, he said, is going to surround you now forever. Everybody's going to know exactly what you like because what you are in the inside is what you're going to be surrounded by on the outside. You won't be able to deceive anybody any further. They'll know exactly what you are. Anyway, that's for another time. Yeah. <laughs> Getting back to this. Well, we're going to see a verse. Maybe, no, actually, not today. All right. <laughs> it's in the series. Okay, we're getting there. <laughs> okay. I need this to say I'm ahead of you guys. All right. And he goes and say, verse 5, And you know that he, Jesus Christ, was manifested to take away our sin. You know, I just want to draw your attention to something. Isn't it interesting that there, we have this statement here that, you know, he says, you know that he, Jesus, was manifested to take away our sin. Could you just drop down to verse 8 for a minute? And notice he says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Isn't it interesting? He didn't just come. I, I love this duality. He didn't just come to take away our sin. He came to destroy everything that the devil ever did. Amen. But it began with us. It began with freeing us. So that sin wouldn't have dominance in our life. Amen. You know, it's one, you know, I've said this before. I'll say it again. The devil isn't without power. Okay. That's why he talks about the power of darkness. Remember in Colossians? Okay. There is a, there is a real power out there. Don't fool yourself. Okay. But the thing is, and the reason I'm saying that is, you know, sometimes we apply the privileges that we have in our life to other people. We try to tell them to live a certain way, and they don't have what we have. So you can't expect them to live the way we live. You know, we, we take it for granted that we have authority over all. Do you, know, do you know what the word authority is? The right and the power. See, the devil has power, but we have, he didn't have the right to do a lot of stuff that he did with his power. God didn't just give us power, he gave us authority. He said, I'm giving you authority. I'm giving you both the right and the power to take him down. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you know what that means? That when you raise your voice, all of heaven stands at attention. And they look at the devil and go, yeah? What are you going to do about it? <laughs> you know, If you don't flinch, he'll go. The problem is so much of the time we swerve first. You know what I'm trying to say? Don't. <laughs> That's why it says, having done all to stand, stand, because all of heaven is behind you. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to say more, but I better stop. Okay, let's get, <laughs> let's get back to this. And so again, he says, and you know, getting back to verse 5, he says, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. I think that is really powerful that he literally came to do that. He was manifested to take away our sin. Notice. Not just to forgive our sin, but to take it away. Amen. So there's no trace of it left. Hallelujah. Which is, goes back again to 1 John 1 9. If we confess or acknowledge our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But remember again, I told you this before. I'm talking really fast now. Okay, but remember, <laughs> this is my review. Okay, but remember again, I told you before that this sin is different 
This verse is different to 1 John 1, 9 in that this is a verse that, that promises forgiveness and cleansing for somebody that has gone totally off track, maybe led other people off track, re- realized their mistake, repented and come back, and God will still take it away. He will remove their sin from them. Isn't that incredible? Well, what about all the people they deceived? Well, it's up to them now to go and fix that, okay? And get God and pray to God that he can actually do that or she can actually do that. But God won't hold that against them any longer. The devil might, you might, but God won't. That's why this is such a powerful statement. Are you all with me? Amen? And he goes on to say, and in him is no sin. We looked at that last, last week. And again, the, the significance of that was, It is a sinless being that forgives you. There is no sin in him to where he goes, yeah, I know, I missed it too, I get it, you know, I'll forgive you because, you know, no, no, it's not like that. In his absolute sinlessness, he looks at you and if you repent, he forgives you, cleanses you, and restores you. Amen? Hallelujah. And the other part about him, you know, when it says in him is no sin, remember again, the other part of it was that as much as he forgives you, he still stands in opposition to sin because it destroys you. Are you all with me? Not because he doesn't want you having a good time. You don't realize that it always leads to some kind of death. And, and you know, that was in the book of James. Anyway, now we get to verse 6. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> and he says, let me just turn my page. He says, whoever abides in him sins not. Now remember again, we're we're not talking about just normal, you can't take this verse out of context. You can't take this verse and apply it to just normal sins. He is once again talking to you about people that that deny him as Christ. And so when you understand this now, you understand how this this verse makes sense. He He says, whoever abides in him sins not. In other words, you can't sin this way and abide in him. Because if you sin this way, you're out of him. In a sense, you know, you know, if you receive Jesus Christ as Lord to get in, you gotta reject Jesus Christ as Lord to get out. You can't reject him and still stay in. See how this makes sense now? Now you begin to understand what he's saying here. And he says, uh, uh, he says, whoever abides in him sins not, and we'll look at what that word abides in him means. He says, whoever sins has not seen him nor known him. Now the word abides in him is actually making reference to dwelling or living in Christ. He's basically saying, listen, if you live in Christ, there is no way that you will commit this kind of sin. And he goes on to say, he says also, whoever sins has not seen him or known him. So let let me just flip this. Can I flip it for a minute? Okay. This tells us that people that sin in this way, they might say, yes, I know your God. Oh yeah, I know Jesus. But they don't know, quote, Jesus the way you know Jesus. Listen, because this is how it gets off track, man. Because they'll say, oh yeah, I know all that stuff. And if, what the Apostle John is saying, listen, if they are sinning in this way, if they are saying other things, if they, if, on one hand they're saying they know Jesus, and on the other hand they say, well, he's not, you know, uh, he's not the only way. Can I get specific a little bit? Okay, <laughs> all right. Guess what? The Apostle John is saying, stay away from that. Because you can't sin in that way and be in him at the same time. Are you seeing this now? He's saying, if they're saying stuff like that, they're really not in him. 
And they're trying to get you out. <laughs> okay? So you get away. Hallelujah. And notice he goes and says something very significant. He says, whoever sins has not seen him nor known him. Now, in his commentary, Thomas F. Johnson says, it is impossible for them to claim to live in him and to have seen him and to have known him when they, by their continued false teaching, keep on sinning and continue to sin. Did you get that? In other words, listen, this tells us something else, that the people that tell you this stuff haven't actually seen him. They don't really know him the way you have seen him and the way you've known him. This, this is very important because one of the things that gets challenged in our life is this. You know, a lot of people are always looking for signs. Remember that? We know what Jesus said about that? You perverse and adulterous, horrible generation. I added that word. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he said, you're always looking for a sign. You're a bunch of devils. You know, he was, because the devil is always looking for a sign. Remember when in the temptations, he goes, uh, prove you're the son of God. Turn this, you know, rock into, uh, into bread. Or in stone into bread. And he goes, no, I'm not doing it for you, no. <laughs> That's essentially what he said to him. But listen, the devil always looking for signs. Because, you know, as somebody once said, he's a flesh devil. He's a devil that is just all in this realm. And that's the thing that he will always work with you on. How do you know? Did you ever see anything? Did you ever see an arm grow out? Did you see an eyeball ever come out? You know, it's all about the seeing. It doesn't matter. He'll never question you and he'll never make you think about all those times that you maybe were in a very bad place and something went off in you. Some miracle happened. Somebody called you. Somebody came to see you. Something happened. That was the hand of God. See, but we don't want to talk about that stuff. We don't want to talk about the stuff that actually heals your soul, that restores you, that brings you back to life. Let's not go about that. Did you ever see a finger grow? Mm-hmm. Did you? I didn't think so. Well, there is no God. You know what I'm trying to say? See, you need to be careful of that stuff because this is how he challenges you. And that's where you need to back off and say, wait a minute, you haven't seen him. (laughs) You don't know him. I've seen him. This tells me something. You don't have access to the spirit realm. Not like I do. You don't have access to him like I do. Stay away from me. No. <laughs> okay. Let me tell you how to gain access. <laughs> okay. And get him saved. <laughs> you know, but listen, know what, you know, know your limitations. Don't bite off more than you can chew. You know what I'm trying to say? Just know if the Lord, that's what I always tell you, be led by the spirit. Regardless of what's going on. First thing, check with the Lord. If he says yes, go for it. If he says no, you're not ready for it. Don't insist. Amen. Amen. Okay. That's what the Apostle John now goes in to say. He says in the next verse, little children, let no one deceive you. The key word here is let. Listen. The Apostle John is warning us not to allow ourselves to be deceived. Do you get that? Because... That's the only way it can happen. Remember, especially after he said in 1 John 2.20. Let's have a quick look at that. Remember he said, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Yeah, we know this is the same epistle. So in other words, he's saying you've got everything working on your behalf. It's up to you to listen, 
Don't go against that inner nature, that inner witness, all the warnings that God gives you. Can you please not do that? Because sometimes, you know, that's what it takes for the devil to, to deceive you. You have to ignore all of the warnings. The screaming in your ear. The megaphone. Everything. <laughs> okay? All of that. It, when you say, well, you know, maybe, and you know what? You always, you know, the devil always explains things off. Listen to me. Don't ever fight your battles in the realm of your mind and reason. We walk by faith. Okay? And when it says not by sight, it means anything natural. Do you hear me? Can I say this? When you walk by faith, you take a step by faith, reason will follow. But we can't reason it out first before we decide to take the step. Because the reason will, will lead us in another direction. I'm giving you something really special here. Okay? I'm not telling you there won't be reason. I'm just telling you the reason is on the wrong side of this. How many times have you done something? Just thought, you know what? I feel right about this. I know it looks kind of wrong, but you know, I'm going to do this anyway. And as soon as you do it, what results from it? You go, oh, thank God I did it. How many people can attend to that? Come on. All right. Okay. I don't know how many times I've done that. You know, after a while, you just learn not to question that. <laughs> you get a certain sense of going to that. Just go there. Don't worry about it. It'll take care of itself. You get all the answers after you go in that direction. Amen. But I'm saying to you, go in that direction. Amen. Don't reason. Okay? So, this is again the, the thing that the devil uses so much of the time to get us off track. He'll reason things out. And once he reasons things out, then you're out. And then you're thinking, well, God, that didn't turn out so well. God says, I didn't tell you to go there. Amen. Did you all get that? Good, okay. So, continue on to the latter half of verse 7 then. And the beginning of verse 8, he says, He that does or literally practices uh, righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Verse 8, he says, He or she that commits sin. I need to read this together. I almost feel like they should have written this together because it's showing a contrast. And he says, He or she that commits or literally habitually practices sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. Okay, so we have two things now. All right, he clearly identifies that those that do the right thing, and notice he says he or she that does or practices righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. So this isn't your righteousness, this is his righteousness. So let, let me, let me look at that in, you know, we'll get to that in just a minute, okay? First, a quote. Thomas F. Johnson writes, the author wants his read, readers to observe the conduct of those who are attempting to deceive them. Did you get that? Watch what they do. You know, Jesus said, the Pharisees, he says, you do as they say, but not as they do. Because they're terrible at what they, you know, what they, their lifestyle is totally opposite to what they preach. They preach from the word, but what they do doesn't line up with the word that they themselves preach. Okay, alright, okay, so, alright. So that's why he's saying, don't worry about what they're saying, watch what they do. You will know them by their fruit. Not by their fancy words. By their fruit. Amen? Alright. So again he says, he wants his readers to observe the conduct of those who are attempting to deceive them. Not what they say, but what they do. 
For it is the person who actually does what is right or literally practices righteousness or justice who truly is righteousness, uh, righteous, excuse me, not the person with the most exalted or spiritual sounding claims. The elder is certain that the daily lives of his opponents will fall far short of the standard of Christ-likeness. Did you get all of that? Amen? In fact, the Apostle James, in his writing, says in James 3 and verses 11 and 12, he said, I love this, he says, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Listen, okay? Verse 12, he says, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. In other words, you can't have somebody living a certain way and then saying something that is different and they're saying, oh, I may live this way, but I still believe in all this stuff. Uh, we have a problem here now. Your lifestyle and what you're saying, especially when it is what we're talking about, the denial of Jesus as Lord. See, it's not the denial of Jesus as a good guy. It's not denial of Jesus as a prophet. Did you hear what I'm saying? It is Jesus, it's denial of Jesus as God. So <laughs> somebody was witnessing someone once and he said, you know, he said, yeah, no, I believe in Jesus and everything. He said, well, do you believe he's, you know, this? And he goes, yes. He goes, do you believe, you know, he's a, he's a good man? Yes. Believe he's a prophet? Yes. Do you believe he's God? He goes, well, I wouldn't go that far. See? And this guy turned around and said, well, then you're not going at all. <laughs> you know? Amen. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Okay. Amen. All right. In other words, as Simon J. Kissamaka put it so well, because, because righteous living originates in a righteous heart. I love that. Righteous living originates in a righteous heart. Amen? All right. The believer shows by his or her conduct, specifically not opposing God, that he or she is one of God's children. He or she is righteous just as Christ is righteous. Now, this last statement is actually quite profound. Would be considered impossible by most of the Christian community because they'll say, oh no, brother, we can't be righteous like Jesus. He was so far above us. Notice this. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, I'm trying to be religious here, okay? And we're so far below him. And we can't ever look up. When we look up, we see Jesus. And we try to touch the hem of his garment. Oh, for God's sake, just stop. Somebody goes, oh, thank God. <laughs> <All right>? Listen, <laughs> we, we do that to separate us. We think we're being holy. We think we're being humble. We're just stupid. Okay, because the more distance we put between us and the Lord, the more grip he's got on us. Are you all with me? Because he says, oh, see, you, you know, you know how far, you, you know, you can't be that way. You know, we're all sinners. And you know what sinners do? They sin. I had a relative that had that Christian relative, an older Christian relative. I think I can, that's as far I can go. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that surprised me. I was a young believer and they had that kind of attitude. And I know that was their way of excusing all the stuff they wanted to do. Amen. Yeah, you know, we got to be careful of stuff like that. Anyway, we're not talking about our righteousness. All right. <clears throat> 
Because this is what they quote. Let me quote you a, a scripture that they'll quote. Isaiah 64 verse 6. We are all infected and... I'm reading from the New Living Translation, okay? We are all infected and impure with sin. When we profoundly display our righteous deeds, we find they are but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins, like the wind, sweep us away. Yes, that is us. That's right. We're humble. We know this verse. You don't know the verse. (laughs) This whole verse, if you read before, read everything in context, please. If you read it before, these are all people that went off track. These are all people that went away from God. And the, and the prophet is describing them in this way. Listen. But we're not talking about being righteous with our own righteousness. Regardless of, you know, <clears throat> this is the thing that we have to be careful. We can't look at our righteousness. Because our righteousness is as filthy rags. Not because they're horrible, but because God has such a high standard. Do you know his standard is 100%? You can get to 99.9 and still fail. Listen, his standard is 100. Are you all here? That's why those people, you know, they were uh, uh, bringing the ark back, remember? And nobody could touch it. And some, they were tipping it and somebody tried to put their hand on it to hold it up. They died. Not because God was mad. If anybody said God was mad, don't listen to that guy. That was 99% touching 100%. Can I say 99.9? You can't. You know why? Because we're still... You can, by the way. Do you know why? Because the person that lives in the ark lives in you. You could go mess with it and polish it and do everything. Nobody in the Old Testament could touch that, but you could. They, if you ever went back in time, they'd be like, whoa, <laughs> who are you, St. Andrew? I'm trying to say, listen, man, you, we don't realize that God moved out of the temple and into you. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? Anyway, let's not get excited there yet. All right, back to here. <laughs> okay. So, we are not talking about our righteousness, okay? Or being righteous with our righteousness, but with God's righteousness. Remember again what he said there? He said that even as he is righteous, all right? And this is the righteousness that God himself gives to us. That's actually even brought out in the Old Testament, Isaiah 54, since we're in the Old Testament, let's go there for a minute. Isaiah 54 and verse 17, it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Hallelujah. You all know that verse? Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Watch, it keeps going. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. So he said, don't mess with them. It's not about their righteousness. It's about my righteousness on them. Now, back then it was on them. Today it's in us. Let's go have a look. It is this righteousness that the apostle Paul makes reference to in Philippians chapter 3. When he says in verses 8 and 9, he says, Philippians 3, 8, Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now, you know, be careful when you read this and don't think, oh, you know, Paul became poor and he became just destitute and he lost everything for Christ. Because people have read that and preached that. 
I know we're not talking about that, but I got to just clear that up real quick before we get past it. Because I don't want you to go home thinking about that. Listen, what he was talking about was all the knowledge that he, he acquired, all the status that he acquired, all the stuff that he thought made him important and made him feel like, well, now I know everything. He said all of that was junk. All the degrees, they were useless compared to what I have learned now. Amen. And you need to also be careful that you don't uh, give too much credence to your credentials. By all means, learn and grow. I'm always learning. You know, I, I just never stop studying. But can I say this? In all my learning, I never forget God. In fact, He shows me what to look for. If you learn with Him, everything you gain will go far beyond what you're being taught. Because with God, not only comes information, but comes creativity as well. He'll show you how to use stuff. That's, that's wisdom. Not just knowledge, but wisdom. Do you all understand the difference? Knowledge is knowing two plus two is four. Wisdom is knowing how to use that in the world. Amen. And how, oh, anyway. Okay, so <laughs> I'll start preaching somewhere else. Let's get back to this. Verse 9. Notice again, he says that I may gain Christ, verse 8. And then he goes into verse 9 and says, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. See, that righteousness is filthy rags, okay? But that which is through faith in Christ. Can I say that again? That which is through faith in Christ. This righteousness requires faith. And it is in Christ that you receive it. Not anywhere else. You can't just have faith and not be in Him. Remember again about what the Apostle John said. You can't live in Him and do all the wrong things. Remember that? Okay? So we're coming back to in Christ. Okay? And so he's saying here, and I want you to get this. He says, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. See, this is the righteousness that he is talking about now. It is a righteousness from God and it comes by faith. It is something that you have to receive by faith. Today when you, you know, you took communion and we, we looked at 1 John 1 9 and we confessed our sins and I told you to judge yourself two ways. Not just judge yourself for the wrong that you've done, but once you, once you confess that, once you acknowledge that, then you need to do the second thing and judge yourself righteous because he now judges you righteous. When he says, I will forgive all of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, he means all unrighteousness, which means then that you are perfectly righteous. God doesn't miss anything. So once you are cleansed, you are, and so you need to then judge yourself as being cleansed. You need to say, I am now not the same person I was when I sinned. I am now a forgiven individual. I am a cleansed individual. I stand perfect before God so that the next time the devil comes and he says, well, you messed up. You've done it 600 times before. Let's do it again. To get this, if you judge yourself perfect, you say, what are you talking about? Yeah. Hey, what's the problem? Have you got Alzheimer's? No. <laughs> you know, remember when you... No. That person died. What are you talking about? Can I say, if you go down that road, it'll be very difficult for him to entice you into doing something again. Amen? Amen. I'm helping you here. All right. <laughs> and I've said to you, even though it, it is freely given, it did come at great cost. 
with the Apostle Paul saying in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, we'll finish here, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. See the price that was paid? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. See, we don't just have righteousness. We become the righteousness of God. Where is it? In him. Back to in him. Amen? Hallelujah. And it is this righteousness that we are restored to every time we sin and ask God for forgiveness. And I've talked to you about 1 John 1, 9. Accordingly, John MacArthur writes, those who are truly born again reflect this divine nature of the Son. They behave like Him, manifesting the power of His life in them. Do you know every time you are forgiven, you are manifesting His life in you? See, you're not just forgiven and cleansed. He restores you. He gives you life. Amen? So that you can charge ahead. I don't know how many times I've seen, you know, the face of someone that has sinned, that as soon as you pray for them, it just lifts, and there's a brightness that comes on them. I see it, visibly. And they're happy and bouncy to go forward again. This is especially true in kids. You know, you, I don't know why, but they seem to uh, display it more on their face. <laughs> you know, than as I think we know how to hide a lot of things. But with kids, man, when they're feeling down, you know they're down. And when they're happy, you know they're happy. And it wasn't a sugar rush. You know, okay? They're just happy, all right? Okay? Something lifted off of them. And they're happy and they're moving in a positive direction now. Which is why I always say, you know, you've got kids, pray over them. You know, it may, they may not want you to pray over them, like, directly, but you can still pray over them quietly. And it doesn't take forever. It takes only a minute or two. You know, and if you see them doing something, rebuke the thing. Don't rebuke them. Okay, <laughs> all right? You just, you just look at it and say, Satan, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You will not continue to influence my child in this way. Amen. And the angels go, finally, we have some work. <laughs> oh, they will take care of it. Trust me, they will take care of it. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, the power that we were, I was talking about is what's brought out, and we'll finish with this, I promise. <laughs> I can't, I can't not give you this scripture. In John 14 and verse 12, when he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do. Greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Amen? There is a power that is restored in your life that we don't even understand the extent of it. We have no idea how far this thing goes. God made man in his image after his likeness. God made kids. God. Are you getting this? He said, you, you reign in this realm. I will reign in heaven. Read into that. We have no idea the amount of power we were given to take care of this entire universe. Yeah, he's still not there. Never mind. We'll stop with that. <laughs> Amen. That, you know, we... we we struggle because of sin that entered in, because of the corruption that the devil brought into our thinking. We struggle with the littlest things when God placed us in this realm on a particular rock that we weren't meant to be stuck on forever. It was our starting place before we moved on. 
before we could understand how to use words like God used words to create things. Amen. We still need to get back. We still haven't figured that one out. How to go back to the place where we're creating with our words, not with our hands. I'm trying to get you somewhere. But anyway, okay. Uh, let me stop there. I don't want to send you home with noodles all baked. All right, that'll do. But, okay, just, just so you understand, the power that lies within you cannot be measured because we can't measure God. And it is Him in us that gives us that right, that authority, and that kind of power. And why it is up to us to, not, to stop saying, God, why don't you do something about it? And you do something about it because it's God working with us, not for us. Amen? Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's have to stop there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, we just thank you today for your word. And we thank you, Father, for all the wisdom, insight, and revelation that we are receiving. We thank you for the writings of the Apostle John. We thank you for his willingness to share all of this with us that he didn't take these truths with him to the grave. And because of the truths that he shared with us, we now can walk a life that reflects that kind of power that he had in our life. Hallelujah. We just thank you for that today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.